All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 124. Uh, Sorry for the delayed one day, delayed recording today. Um, I was in Seattle this weekend for the Browns game, got back extremely late Monday, busy workday Tuesday, so had to record on Wednesday, so sorry if you were looking for it yesterday, a little bit delayed, Um, but happy to be talking and recording here now. Um, We have a lot to get into today, a couple different Um, topics outside of our usual Browns discussion, which we'll obviously get into. Um, But the Cavs season is now in full force, Um, have a little bit of Buckeye stuff to talk about, and then we'll get into everything going on with the Browns right now, the game in Seattle, the trade deadline, um, and just kind of the status of this team moving forward. So um, we'll start off with the Cavs. Um, So obviously, a rough start to the season and not quite what we expected, especially in terms of just not having all of your starters. It's really hard to judge a team based on their identity and who they are when we haven't had Jared Allen yet. Darius has been out um, for some amounts. Um, Donovan has been dealing with some kind of lingering type of injury, even though he he has been able to play. I'm not sure how much it's actually affecting him. Um, So it's just been a little bit of a struggle to not have all of your guys out there, especially when you're playing um, an opponent like the Knicks, which uh, as of now when I'm recording, the game against the Knicks at home was last night. Tonight uh, in about 30 minutes from where I'm recording right now is when the Uh, game in New York is going to be happening. So uh, it's going to be tough again to kind of maybe go on this slow start where uh, compared to last season, if you guys remember, there was a a major run for the Cavs at the beginning of the season last year where I think they run one, I want to say eight to 10 in a row. It was a pretty impressive streak uh, and was really exciting to watch. And this is a little bit different, but uh, it's always good to remember it's a very long season. Hopefully the goal is to get everyone healthy so that uh, it's not going to be as much of an issue when we get into some more of the tougher stretches of the season. But yeah, this is obviously not ideal, not how you want to start. Definitely understandable there. Um, So some of the good things, though, I guess, with the Cavs that I have recognized, uh, even without all of the starters being there, Craig Porter Jr. is uh, he's a player. And I think we found potentially a good backup point guard in him uh, to be behind Darius. Obviously, Darius is going to be um, or hopefully will be that long term guy. We have obviously just signed him to a major deal. uh, So I think there were some questions, obviously, with Ricky Rubio. Um, you know, he's towards the end of his career. Obviously, he's been battling with um, the mental health issues that he's been dealing with. So he has not been on the team uh, as of now this year. I'm not sure uh, if there's any timetable for him to return. But regardless, I think the team was going to be looking towards the future at some point of, hey, who are we going to put behind Darius in this situation? Um, as, you know, Ricky gets older, they don't need as much of that veteran presence at backup point guard anymore. More. Uh, I think you needed that before when Darius was still young, but now this is really Darius's team and he's taken a much more vocal leadership role. I think now you just want to get a talented player that you can get genuine minutes from behind him. And I really think from what I'm seeing from Craig Porter Jr., I really feel like he has the potential to be that guy. So I think that was exciting to see. Um, also, Imani Bates, I feel like has been another topic of conversation. Uh, you know, a lot of excitement from him in summer league this year. 
And then he, you know, has had some minutes here recently. And he was a very up and down player, I feel like, you know, would have some really, really incredible shots and then some really bad misses, maybe an air ball here or there, um, which is under understandable in a lot of ways for a young player, a, a player that they kind of knew uh, they were drafting and would have to develop uh, and had high upside, but also, you know, wasn't projected to be some superstar right off the bat. So uh, definitely not too shocking to see that, but it is good to see that I think a lot of the upside is there in his shot making abilities. So um, yeah, it's it's hard to, like I said, come away with major takeaways when you don't have all of your starters. Uh, so hopefully, once we get him back, um, we'll have a better idea of, hey, what can this team really be uh, when you have everyone out there? It's hard to see who someone like Evan Mobley can be when he doesn't have Darius Garland out there. Like, I, I want to see all of that together. Uh, I'm not going to make some snap judgments about Evan Mobley right now uh, when he doesn't have, you know, a, a creator out there on the court like Darius Garland uh, that he's come really become accustomed to playing with. Um, so yes, we hopefully will get into more Cavs as the season goes on. Um, unrelated to the Cavs, but kind of uh, NBA related in general, I have been reading Giannis's book uh, as of lately. I'm about halfway through right now and uh, highly recommend to everyone. If you're a big reader, you should definitely check it out. I think it came out last year, I want to say, but just getting around to it right now. And my God, he had such a fascinating life story and just understanding his upbringing and where he's come from. I feel like it makes so much more sense for who he is as a person. And when you hear him talk and the playful side to him and just the, the lightness he has to him, I think it makes so much sense from the extremely humble upbringings that he came from when he uh, grew up in Greece uh, and his family really had nothing. And, you know, he wasn't someone who was scouted like in America from the age of five years old where you become a basketball prodigy and everyone's following you um, for all these years. He really didn't develop until much, much later and much, much closer to his actual drafting as an NBA player. Um, so he, you know, he had really many years of just putting in the work, trying to get better. Uh, they talk about in the book, he would just be sobbing after a practice where he didn't feel like he was doing good enough uh, and that he needed to to get better and be more. And then obviously he grew a lot physically, um, which I think, you know, helps some people uh, or helped him to catch people's eye at that point. Uh, so it, it was it was crazy to watch then the, when he got drafted, the way that he just looked at material possessions and the world so differently than a lot of his teammates in the NBA who had just grown up differently than him and wanted different things. And his goal was really always just to provide for his family. He sent most of his money back to them in Greece because they couldn't come over yet. They didn't have uh, visas. So it, it was... Um, it was really eye-opening and it just, I think he, learning about someone like him makes you really appreciate life in a different way uh, and just the perspective he has. So if anyone was interested, I definitely recommend reading it. Um, I always like learning about different people and, and where they come from. So highly recommend. Uh, okay, so let's get into some Buckeye talk now. Uh, so the first college football playoff ranking came in and the Buckeyes were number one which I found to be pretty surprising, to be honest. Uh, I was not uh, prepared for them to be one. And I think it's just because we typically aren't um, number one. And I just don't feel like 
the team's talent necessarily is one that I would say, yes, for sure, number one ranked team. Obviously, you're doing this in comparison to other teams, so it, it's always hard to say, but there's just been more talented Buckeye teams that weren't ranked number one. Um, and, you know, that had a lot to do with the other talent, uh, the Georgia teams, Alabama teams, the Clemson teams over the years that, you know, have taken those rankings. But uh, I was pretty shocked to see it regardless. It just uh, it caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, obviously, we still have a lot to go, and um, a lot is going to be decided on what happens against that team up north. Uh, I think that's always going to be you know, the most important thing, and whether or not uh, the Buckeyes go to the Big Ten Championship and what happens uh, in that game. So, you know, got always looking forward to that, that game Thanksgiving weekend uh, to really tell us what our CF, CFP ranking is going to be. Uh, it's just too hard to say. Uh, this early on of what this means. But, um, you know, I, I still, like I said, I still have concerns about the team offensively and what they're able to do with Kyle McCord. But you can't be mad at beating Wisconsin 24 to 10. Like that is, that's a good win to get against one of the historically better Big Ten teams um, against uh, who I thought would maybe coach at Ohio State someday, Luke Fickle. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not ever upset about winning, but I just feel like there is still something missing for this team offensively, especially with how good the defense has been. Uh, a really, really impressive defense. So um, I guess we'll just have to see where it goes from here. Uh, but I think what I started talking about last week and want to continue with this week in, in much bigger news than honestly the rankings right now is the scandal surrounding that team up north. Um, I, you know, like I said, went into all the details for it last week, but it continues to evolve and have more information come out about it. And most recently, Central Michigan is investigating these allegations that this Connor Stallions guy was on the sideline for their their season opener on the road against Michigan State. There's these pictures of someone that appears to look exactly like him. No one has been able to confirm this, which is kind of crazy because I feel like if it was someone else, like Central Michigan should like they could so quickly just say, oh, actually, it's this guy named Paul. Um, here's a picture of Paul. That's not Connor Stallions. And that still hasn't happened yet, which makes me start to think more and more that it actually is Connor Stallions because nobody can claim it's some other person. Like, shouldn't they know who was on their sideline and be able to easily be like, yeah, no, it's that guy. That's not Connor Stallions. Um, if true, very insane behavior that Connor Stallions was on those sidelines. There's um another picture from the that same day going around. He's wearing these kind of bigger, bulkier black sunglasses. And I don't know if it's the way the light's reflecting or if this is actually the case, but there's a little blue light coming out of the corner of it, uh, which appears to be uh, these Ray-Bans that have video recording capabilities in them. So it's like a little camera in the corner um, that can film things through your sunglasses. If that is the case and that's what he is wearing, I I want Michigan stripped of every win for the last like decade. Like I don't even care when it started. I'm just so amazed at the fact that they were going to these in these crazy lengths uh, to steal signs and steal information in this way. It, it feels pretty wild. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully we get more information about if that was him or not on those sidelines because I I would like to know that uh, and just. In general, like I want to start hearing about where we go from here. We are we just going to keep on going playing games every week and just not address what's going on in in any type of 
you know, actual way from the NCAA. I don't know. So we'll have to see. But the the picture of him on that sideline is it really adds a layer to the story. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. At least it's not Ohio State. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, OK, so let's get in to the Seattle um, Browns game now. So, um, like I mentioned, went to the game this weekend. Awesome stadium. They have like a lot of bars surrounding outside their stadium too, which is really cool. Um, kind of like a cool little tailgate area, I would say, that had different like food trucks and tents and different things like that, which was really nice. Um, actual stadium, beautiful, extremely loud. It is as loud as everyone says it is. Uh, the the sound really travels in there, and I can see how it affects opposing teams for sure. Uh, just with the way uh, the environment can get in there. It is, it's pretty impressive. Uh, unfortunate loss, obviously, uh, you hate to lose in that way where you think you have secured the win and then you just kind of let it go at the end. It it definitely hurts. Um, but I do believe that there were a lot of good takeaways from this game overall. And I know nobody likes moral victories. Moral victories aren't fun for anyone, but I do think, uh, overall, the Browns played a pretty decent game other than uh, a couple of the bad moments. And I think this has been a pattern throughout this year. Like the Browns have the worst um, turnover ratio in the league so far this year, <clears throat> which is really, it's it's frustrating to see how often they're turning the ball over, especially in key moments like end of games. Um, that's happened a couple times. I want to say at least three times a season towards the very end of a game in a really crucial moment. Uh, And it it really makes it hard to win games when you continue to do that. If they could just clean up the turnovers, it would change so much for this team. Uh, But unfortunately, it continues to affect them uh, and um, makes it, yeah, like I said, makes it really hard to be able to win. I think all things considered, you were going into this environment against a pretty good Seahawks team with P.J. Walker, a quarterback. My expectations weren't super high, um, but then once you feel like you have it, it still hurts just as much to lose it. I thought Kevin Stefanski overall entire game called one of the better games of his career. Um, I think he had them execute the game plan really well. I think he, whatever scouting they had done for the Seahawks in terms of like, what is the best way to play them? Uh, what type of offense should we put out there? I thought they did a pretty good job in general. Um, considering once again, PJ Walker is your quarterback. I, I think it putting, any points on the board with him like that is like an impressive feat in a lot of ways, considering you're getting the worst quarterback play in the league right now. Um, other than the one call at the end of the game, I think Kevin called a really, really, really good game. The third and three call that everyone's been talking about with two minutes and four seconds left in the game, very controversial that he called a pass play. I, I, I'm pretty much on board with everyone that this was the wrong call. Um, I, I've seen the arguments on why that was the correct call, and I understand. I think, you know, picking the right call is much more complicated than we all boil it down to. Then here's one right call and one wrong call. I don't think that's exactly the case, but I definitely think that the run game started to get a lot better this week. I think we we were really struggling in the run game in the past couple of weeks, especially since the loss of Nick Chubb. Uh, And I think this week, it was one of the first times I really saw uh, all of the running backs in that group come together and put on a pretty decent performance uh, against a pretty good team. So I felt like on third and three, you probably should have run the ball there rather than put your trust in PJ Walker. For some reason, he 
decided to trust him in that moment. And obviously it completely backfired interception. Um, and it, it, you know, you, you almost just can't win games like that because you, you give the team an opportunity that they should not have had in that moment. So I do wish he would have run the ball. And I hate that he made that call because I feel like it's going to be the overarching reflection of Kevin Stefanski from that game when it really should be what a great game he called in general. And, you know, the way he was able to have them come back after a first quarter where they were down 17 to seven and got down early and very quickly uh, and we're able to, you know, inch by inch, claw back into it and take a lead. It sucks that it, it ended up that way, where that's going to be the main focus is that third and three call. I'm sure it, I, I wasn't listening to any sports radio this week, but I'm sure almost every caller was probably talking about the third and three call fire Kevin Stefanski for it, um, which is definitely a bummer because it, it's always much more than one call. Every single game is much more than one call. But yeah, not definitely not his best call. I didn't I didn't uh, necessarily agree with it. Um, the one point I will give him with it though, is there's two minutes left. You think that if you don't get it, obviously you're not expecting the interception, but you think that if you don't give it and you have to, you know, give the ball back to the Seahawks, your defense since the first quarter was pretty locked down. They were doing a really nice job. Second, third, and that other first portion of the fourth quarter, they were doing a really nice job. And so you kind of, in a lot of ways, I think he probably was trusting his defense and saying, Hey, look how good they've been playing. They slipped up in the first quarter, didn't have their best quarter of football. But since then they have been firing on all cylinders, playing really good football. Um, I should trust them in this moment that they're going to be able to get a stop with two minutes left. Uh, obviously, that was not the case. They um, let them score there, actually, to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Buckeye uh, was happy for him, not happy for <laughs> the Browns in general, though. Uh, so I guess from that perspective, I do understand um, why he, you know, might not have felt like we have to run, you know, we have to get this, you know, he, he wasn't so afraid of giving the ball back to the other team if they weren't able to get it. Obviously you want to get the first down there, but just knowing that you can trust your defense is a huge thing. And I think he did trust the defense and obviously it didn't work out in that way, um, which was, was a bummer. So, you know, this was a game when we were first looking at, I think the Browns schedule overall, it was like, oh, this game could kind of go either way. I don't think this was one that everyone was like, oh, the Browns need this game or it's not going to work out this year. It's not an AFC team, uh, not a division game. So it wasn't, you know, everything was riding on this. Uh, but obviously it's one that you would have wanted to get. Uh, when I was looking at the schedule ahead of time, I probably would have thought we would have beat Seattle and lost to San Francisco and then ended up being the other way. Sometimes just, that's just how things go. Uh, but now you have a team that is four and three going into a home game against the Cardinals who just got rid of our guy, Josh Dobbs, um, who's gone now. Apparently Kyler Murray might play, uh, I don't know if there's any clarification on this yet. I guess it's two teams that are very uncertain at quarterback, uh, but the Cardinals are definitely a team that you should be able to win. So if you can go five and three, then you're rolling into games at Baltimore and home against Pittsburgh, which I think are going to be two of the more important games of the season in terms of, is this team going to be able to be a playoff team? Those are two division games against two teams that you've already lost to this season that you really would like to get a win against. Uh, so I think I, I'm not that I'm trying to look past the Cardinals game because they could obviously lose the Cardinals game. There are no guarantees, especially if PJ Walker's playing again. Um, but I think the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game 
are going to be really telling uh, on this team's identity. Beyond those games, you have Denver, Rams, Jacksonville, Chicago. You should win three of those four. Uh, but again, it's going to be really tough if prior to that you were losing your division games. It, it's fine to win, you know, some of the the more gimme games a little bit of the the easier ones, especially the ones that aren't uh, a part of your conference. Uh, but you really want to get those those types of games, the Baltimore and the Pittsburgh ones. So lots of football left, but. Um, you know, the Browns are kind of in a in a weird place, especially within this division that is really strong. You see Cincinnati really starting to climb back up. Joe Burrow is looking healthy again. Uh, you really got to start making sure uh, you're getting the wins that you're supposed to get and picking up hopefully another one here and there that is a, you know, toss up type of game. Um, okay, so other quick conversations. The trade deadline uh, just passed actually at 4 p.m., God, was it yesterday or today? I have no sense of time this week. Um, I think it was yesterday. Uh, But the Browns didn't do too much other than it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Now that I'm thinking about it further. Um, Trade, the Browns traded Donovan Peoples-Jones to Detroit for a six-round pick. Um, So this year so far, Donovan Peoples-Jones hasn't really been a part of this offense almost at all. He's had eight catches for 97 yards uh, and hasn't just... He hasn't had opportunities really in this offense. It's been a weird year with everything with the quarterback position, um, but he's always been a little bit more involved than that. So um, it's not shocking to me that they decided to trade him away. Overall, I think he's had a really great career with the Browns. He was a six-round pick in 2020, had almost an 1,000-yard season Um Last year, it was, I think, around 840 yards. So he did a really nice job last year. Uh, And all things considered, for a six-round pick receiver, like he has far, far exceeded expectations for what you thought you were getting when you you brought him into this organization. So I think that is overall just a win for the organization. And now you're trading him back for a six-round pick. So you're getting kind of that original value back onto your team again and got a couple of really productive years from him. Uh, definitely a good win for uh, the front office overall. Uh, I, you know, I was bummed to see him go because I feel like every year he's really improved ever since his first season. Each year it was like another 200 yards, another 200 yards receiving, and he kept kind of increasing his production. And it felt like this year could have really been a critical year to see, hey, is this going to be someone that's going to be a bigger part of our offense moving forward and we sign him to an extension or do we move on from him? Obviously, with the way things have gone this year, they they weren't going to sign him to an extension with, you know, eight catches for 97 yards. They were going to move on from him, um, which, um, you know, it it kind of is what it is. It's part of the business in general. Uh, But I I did really grow to like him. And hey, it's hard for me to like a guy from that team up north. So uh, really uh, happy to have him in Cleveland for the, you know, the start of his career to now. It's always fun to watch someone grow like that. And I think everyone's really wishing the best for him in Detroit, hoping that he's going to do, you know, a decent job there. No, no hard feelings at all. So that was really the only major thing I think that happened for the Browns um, during that day. A lot of talk about were they going to trade for Jacoby? Were they going to trade for Josh Jobs? Vikings ended up trading for Josh Jobs after the Kirk Cousins injury. Uh, but in general, there wasn't, there wasn't too much else in terms of rumors. I guess there was also the Chase Young rumors that he was going to um, come over to the Browns and ends up being on the 49ers, uh, for them, for some reason, when it rains, it pours, they can just keep getting every talented guy on that roster. 
Um, but I would have been excited to have Chase Young uh, as, a, as a Cleveland Brown. It's always good to have a Buckeye. But it is what it is. I'm not too um, upset that they didn't do anything crazy at the deadline. I, I was surprised that they were sellers more than they were buyers. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't any too big crazy moves that they're uh, proving either way that they've given up on the season. I, I think it's just pretty much stayed pat for the most part. So we move into this week against Arizona. Still not knowing as of when I'm recording this. Hopefully there's no information out there right now <laughs> when I'm recording it of who the quarterback is going to be this week. Will it be Deshaun Watson or will it be P.J. Walker? We know it's not going to be DTR because Kevin Stefanski did say today, if Deshaun doesn't play, it will be P.J. Walker. I think there were a lot of questions of, do we just try DTR again? It can't be that much worse than what we're seeing with P.J. Walker. Um, But it seems like they're still going to use P.J. if it's not Deshaun. Um, He did practice today. I'm not going to judge on whether or not he's going to be able to play off of practice videos because it's obviously not the same as in-game situations. And um, I just, I don't want to get myself in that position to be judging in that way. Um, But at least he is practicing again. I feel like that is a good sign that hopefully in the coming weeks he will be, uh, he will be actually playing in the game. I just don't want a repeat of what happened in the Colts game where he was like, ah, yeah, I'm ready now and was not actually ready, very clearly not ready to be back and then put the team in a really bad position by throwing a rough interception, almost throwing another one, um, potentially injuring himself further. Like we should not be doing that again. Hopefully he comes back when he's truly ready to come back and uh, not when he just mentally really wants to get back out there. I understand that feeling of wanting to get back out there and play for your team, but it's only going to hurt them more if he does the same thing that he did in the Colts game again. That's just really not going to be an option. Um, So I guess we will see. I would prefer in terms of if he is healthy, I would prefer for him to come back for the Cardinals, get himself warmed up before Baltimore and the Steelers, because starting off with Baltimore is not going to be a fun situation for him. So uh, I guess we'll have to see as we move forward. I'm not sure when they're going to announce it. It usually has been pretty last minute on who they say is going to be the starter, but it's just another week as we're getting through this season of not knowing who the Browns starting quarterback is. Uh, okay, so that is all I have for you guys today. Um, couple housekeeping things. The where I'm from code that I gave many episodes ago has actually slightly changed. So if you still want 20% off where I'm from gear, you can use Abby Clee 20 now, A-B-B-Y-C-L-E 20 uh, for 20% off your purchase. Highly recommend. I uh, got some new nice pieces that I'm really excited about. So I definitely uh, hope that you guys uh, get some as well. Also, if you could just leave a reviewer rating on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, please subscribe on YouTube. Even if you don't watch on YouTube, go click the YouTube link, subscribe, watch there. I like watching stuff these days, I think a lot more than just listening, but um, you know, if you don't want to look at me, you can still listen on Spotify and Apple, but would love for you to subscribe on YouTube and watch there. Um, Thank you guys again so much for listening. I appreciate you all. We will keep believing in the Browns until... It's really a 0% statistical probability of making the playoffs. Until then, we are powering forward and hopefully it happens. Uh, So thank you guys and go Browns.